you mm. know it's kind of neat you know you just don't get honey from the bees there's actually a lot of practical applications yeah. and then of course the honey that dripped out of your honeycomb uh, it's unpro uh, unprocessed raw natural honey um, and so yeah it's it's ready to eat right just like that there's no more work involved you just pour it into your bottles Hey there, welcome to episode 35 of the MaritimeGardening.com podcast, and uh, today we're doing things a little different. We've, we, Greg, first of all, Greg, are you there? Yes, I'm yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, and you're not alone. No. No, that's a, that's a first, I think. Yes, this is our first uh, interview. Yeah, in, in studio. In studio, in fact. <laughs> Yes. So we've got uh, uh, Corey Bergman. Is that correct, Corey? That's right. Awesome. So um, maybe, Greg, you can kind of take over from here a little bit and just explain why Corey is with you. <laughs> yeah. So we were at that uh, trade show. Yeah, the youth, the youth Expo a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I just walked around a bit because my legs are sore. And uh I saw this guy with these cool-looking beehives that he was selling, mm -hmm. and um, so I started talking to him because uh, I've always wanted to have uh, a beehive because uh, right. I like honey. Yeah, I've got lots of things that flower, so I just got talking to him. He seemed like an interesting sort of guy, and um, also just very knowledgeable about bees and uh, and and their relationship with um, you know growing things. Mm -hmm. uh, the environment in general. So yeah. um, I asked him if he'd want to do an interview in the show because I think the information is very useful to uh, to gardeners. Um, and um, yeah, so he, he said yes. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so here we are with that, great, um, great. So Corey, I guess um, you know maybe just give a little intro, tell us a little bit about your business, and then we'll work into some questions that Greg and I can throw at you. Sure. So uh, I grew up uh, as a country boy. Uh, working on farms and um, always wanted to have a farm myself, but I lived in the city. And so I had to find a creature <laughs> that I could raise and um, enjoy. And so through my research, I found honeybees as an agricultural option that I could do in an urban setting. Um, I did some research on the different hives. Um, the Langstroth hive is the familiar hive that you see in most fields and that we use here in Nova Scotia to pollinate our blueberries. What do they look like? They're just a square box hive, and then um, the beekeepers keep adding boxes. It looks like Xerox boxes. Yeah, they, that's all they are. Just a, yep, just a square box. Hmm. Uh, the problem with those hives is they're very commercialized, so they cost a lot of money. And then also to extract your honey costs a lot of money as well. So through my research, I found out uh, a, a hive that was designed here in Canada, in Guelph, Ontario. And the aspect of the hive um, was designed for third world countries. So no matter where you are in the world, you can build this hive out of different materials, whether you have wood, plastic, whether you weave it out of baskets, mm -hmm. or you just make it, you make it out of sticks. Um, but here, in, uh, I build mine out of pine. Um, they look like a, like a manger that you it might see like yeah, out, yeah. In out in front of a church at uh, Christmas time. And so, um, you know, it has legs. It's up off. Multifunctional. <laughs> Multi just in case there's a specular <laughs> consumption near you. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, so you just lay sticks across the top of this box. 
and the bees will draw their natural honeycomb off the top. And then when time comes for honey harvest, you don't need any fancy extractors or anything like that. Wow. Uh, the hives are a simple design. You can get plans off the internet and you can build the hives yourself. So it's kind of a self-sustaining way. So I started out with two hives and then went to 10 hives and now I'm up to 30 hives. Wow. Um, the big thing with these hives is there's no one that sells the bees um, that have drawn honeycomb. So I had to start with the commercialized Langstroth uh, frames and then convert them into top bar frames. So then that's how my company got born is I wanted to mentor and um, share top bar beekeeping with urban beekeepers and country beekeepers. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, people in the city can uh, enjoy beekeeping without breaking the bank. That's what now I remember now. <laughs> that's that's why I wanted to do the interview when I think about it now. It's because the your approach to it was so simplified and doable. Like you know, because we talk about permaculture gardening here, and it's just so much more elegant. You know, so much less time and energy goes right. into achieving the yield. Everything seems to fit in a way that minimizes your your effort and um, your way of 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 keeping bees um, just seems so simple yep. and so easy. Um, and it's the, it's the way I do it. If I had bees, that's how I do it. <laughs> exactly. I should let me get bees. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have to know. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't, camo. she doesn't listen to this show. So <laughs> no, you should yeah. get the camouflage. Uh, yeah. yeah. So another aspect about the top bar hive that, um, you know, you're just speaking about your wife. Most women enjoy it because there's no heavy lifting. Um, and then seniors, you know, that uh, want to keep bees but uh, are scared of uh, hurting their back or having to lift the 60 to 80 pound boxes of a Langstroth hive. Uh, the top bar hive is three feet high. And so it's the same as your kitchen counter. And uh, the most weight you'd ever have to lift would be one bar of honey that might weigh seven to 10 pounds. And you just cut it off into your bucket and get the yield of your honey. So it's a it's a practical way that um, you know children, uh, late you know ladies and uh, seniors are able to keep bees without uh, too much physical labor as well. So that's another benefit of this simple aspect of top bar beekeeping. Corey, I'm assuming um, you've probably got a website up, or do you do most of your your marketing on Facebook? Uh, yeah, I just started up a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. um, this is my first year. Uh, in business, I guess, helping out uh, other people that are interested in keeping bees. Right. Uh, but I've been keeping bees myself for three years. Okay. And so now uh, I got a little bit of a grip on it. Beekeeping uh, always has a strong learning curve. And um, they're such a fascinating creature that that's one of the joys of beekeeping is uh, the knowledge and uh, getting to watch nature and being one with nature is kind of a, a great hobby to have. Nice, nice. We'll, yep. we'll put a link... Um, basically, as you're listening to this, if you want to check out his Facebook page, you, you can just go to maritimegardening.com slash bees, B-E-E-S, and we'll link it to uh, to Corey's page. So anyway, go ahead, uh, Greg. Well, that was the neat thing when I was, uh, I took a trip out to, uh, what do you call it, a bee farm? Yeah, it's an apiary is, apiary? The, is the word, yeah, and I call it a bee farm or bee yard. You should call it a bee area, <laughs> apiary. Apiary, yeah. Okay. So I, I took a little trip out there uh, earlier in the week, um, just to kind of neat having bees all over the place, um, and all around you, a little unnerving. But you get actually, to tell you the truth, within a uh, very short amount of time, you get totally uh, 
used to it, especially having uh, Corey around because he's not phased by anything. <laughs> so I'm sort of like rubbing my hands around my neck. And <laughs> yeah, get, that's not for me, I don't think. No. <laughs> but um, anyway, the, the neat thing was that I, I, I couldn't believe how much uh, knowledge, you know, if, if you're a curious person who just loves to learn about everything, um, it's the right thing for you because it's just like gardening. There's, there's, an, you, there's, an, there's a minimum amount you need to learn to have any success, but then there's so much more you need to learn to be good at it. And also mm -hmm. I imagine as you were expanding the whole thing, yes. um, like when you're, when you're just splitting a hive and all that sort of stuff, that's right. Um, that's fast. That was, well, I was the most fascinating thing yeah. I remember because it sounds yeah. like a pretty, uh, uh, dicey, uh, operation. Um, yeah. We talk about that later. If we've got time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's, let's get on with some of these. <clears throat> we just, uh, brainstormed kind of questions that people might want to know if they were thinking of getting into bees. And if this goes, this totally goes with permaculture, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because you've got things growing, you've got flowers. Why not turn that all into honey? And the bees do all the work. I mean, you've got a bit of work, <laughs> a little bit of work. The yeah. way you, we'll get into this later, but the way you process the honey is so elegant. It's, I uh, just, I didn't, I always thought making honey out of honeycombs was complicated. Uh, the way he does it is so easy. Um, even I could do it. Um, so when are the harvests? So let, let's say I, I, I set a, a top RB hive up right now. Uh, when do I get my honey? So your honey is going to come at the end of summer uh, when it's nice and warm. And once, and as gardeners, once the flowers put out their nectar, so the bees collect the nectar. Uh, they bring it in and they keep the hive a certain temperature inside and they do that by fanning their wings and uh, it evaporates the water out of the nectar and uh, turns it into a sweet honey uh, that thickens it up. And then once it cures, they cap it off, um, saving their stores for winter. Um, and then the excess honey is what we get to harvest. The difference with the top bar hive is because it is just one box. You're not adding boxes on like a Langstroth hive. You're going to do harvests more often. So you're going to take two or three combs every two weeks, you know, through the month of August and September. Um, and you want to make sure that you leave the bees enough honey uh, stores to get through the winter. You don't want to rob your bees. Right. Yeah. So you're going to get honey through the summer. And then with the, the top bar hive, as you harvest your honey, you're also harvesting wax at the same time. So you get two products for the price of one. Right. Nice. nice. Yeah. So, Corey, like, what's the law? Because, you know, can anybody just have bees? I mean, obviously, if in a neighborhood like where I am and, and probably, I don't know where you are, Greg, but the houses on my street are jammed, you know, uh, yep. one after the other. What are the, what are the rules? So here in Nova Scotia, we have the Industry Bee Act. So it's a provincial legislation that um, any, anyone can keep bees, but you have to register with the province. Hmm. Registration is free. Um, you get a special number that's designated to you. Um, that number has to either be put on your hives or in your bee yard. Uh, there is an inspector for the province that can go around and he inspects the bees wow. and uh, make sure that um, people are meeting within the laws and of the act. Mm. And then just as of last year, 2016, here in Halifax, uh, HRM, um, they changed the bee laws because bees do have a stinger and they do release a venom. And so they were actually a prohibited insect uh, here in our city. And, but so many people wanted to keep bees and with the whole save the bees movement, 
and people getting back to um, nature and mm-hmm. the environment. Um, it, the government recognized that we had to make some changes that we couldn't prohibit um, a bee. So here in Halifax, <laughs> you um, their infinite wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Our, you know your venomous snakes, uh, your venomous spiders, and then bees kind of fell into all these prohibited uh, animals that are creatures that you weren't allowed to keep uh, in the city limits. But they recognized that that had to change, and there's enough people interested that want to keep bees. So they recognize the Bee Act. So as long as a beekeeper is conforming with the Bee Act, that they're registered, um, that, you know, that they're mindful of, of their neighbors, really the Bee Act is just common sense. You know, you want to put your bees in a place that's not going to uh, bother your neighbors. Um, make sure that the bees aren't going to get bothered either, you know, that they're not mm. in a high traffic area. And that's why urban beekeeping... But yeah, most people do rooftop beekeeping which is kind of neat in in settings yeah so you can put your bees on top of the roof it's nice and warm for the bees they're not disturbed and they still get the benefits of uh the urban setting and um what most people don't realize is that urban bees actually do better than rural bees because there's more variety Mm. so down in annapolis valley um you know farming has got commercialized and so farmers will plant one crop and you know your apples your cranberries or your blueberries and then once um, that plant is out of pollination, mm. the bees no longer have that source of protein. Um, then most beekeepers move their bees so that the farmer can spray for pests and also mow all the weeds underneath the trees because mm-hmm. they're just trying to harvest the apples or the blueberries and they don't want um, the the other plant life that's around. The bees but, need the weeds. But the bees need the weeds. Um, so yeah, so urban bees actually do better. So. Um, again, with the top bar beekeeping, it's a great urban way to keep bees. It's a, it's a small one-box system. No, you don't need any honey huts or anything like that. You can do it all right in the kitchen of your home. Cool. I, I imagine the urban bees also don't have uh, the same predation problems as, uh, like, if you're next to a forest, there must be more wasps and... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, the bees definitely, um, you know, they don't have the pesticides. Um, yeah, there's lots of benefits to keeping bees in the city. Hmm. So, yeah. Nice. So, let's say I, I get a top bar hive. How much work, a typical, what's a typical week? Is there a time of year when I'm doing more than other times of year and, and outside of the peak? So, what, what's the peak time of the year like? And also, non-peak time, what's, what's my week like uh, in that sense? Sure. So, what happens um, when you get your beehive? Um, believe it or not, the bees don't need us. They've been around a long time. Uh, they live in the space and they know exactly what to do. But to be a responsible beekeeper, um, it's important that you want to do your inspections. And when you inspect your hives uh, in the beginning of the year, um, you're going to put in an organic treatment. Um, most people have heard of mites. Uh, bees and mites go together. And, and a mite is kind of like a tick uh, or a leech. It's a, a blood-sucking pest. Lovely. That- that lives inside your beehive. How does that help them? <laughs> and uh, it doesn't help them. So what's important is that you do treat your bees um, to make sure that the mite load, you know, the amount of mites inside your beehive, don't overtake or overpower your bees. So at the beginning of the year, um, all it is is just a, a plastic strip that has a medication on it. You put that in your hive for 40 days. And then as the uh, season progresses, um, all you're doing is just looking through your combs, making sure your queen is nice and healthy, that she's laying a nice pattern, um, that your bees are hauling, hauling in pollen. Um, if we have a late spring or a wet spring and the pollen doesn't come, uh, you might give them a pollen substitute, which is just a patty um, that you would put inside your hive um, just to get them good and healthy and strong. Hmm. And then 
through the summer and um, into the fall, it's just going to be 20 minutes every two weeks. And um, if you open your hive up too much or you bother with them too much, uh, they don't like to be bothered, and then they'll they'll abscond. They'll they'll fly out of the uh, hive. Uh. The most amount of work and the biggest thing you got to watch for is in May. Um, bees have the natural impulse to spread their genetics. They want to swarm, and uh, so you hear about a swarm of bees. So usually you build build a second hive or you buy another hive, and you can take half of your bees, put them in your new hive, and then the old hive will realize that they don't have a queen, and they'll rear a new queen. And so, um, yeah, that's probably the most amount of work. It's just in the spring of the year, May, you're going to split your hive in two. That's what you were telling me about yeah. your thing. Yeah. And then if this weird thing looks like a giant birdhouse. <laughs> yeah. So you can, uh, you can also catch swarms of bees as well. So if you get other lazy beekeepers that aren't uh, inspecting their hives and their hive swarms, um, you, can catch, uh, you can catch a set of bees as well, a colony of bees. And that's kind of a fun experience. You should um, send us a link. So we can put it up for the listeners. Uh, I'm sure there must be YouTube videos of people doing this. Oh yes, yeah. yeah send us a link to that. Yeah, a so good you, one. Yeah, you'll uh, see. Uh, that's, that's something that uh, I don't know if I'd have the guts to do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I saw it on a reality show. Yeah, a couple doing this. Uh, these two hippies, and uh, I was like, that looks terrifying. <laughs> well, actually, where the bees don't have a home. Um, and they're out looking for a home. What they do is they'll usually hang on a branch or the eave of a That's house, and uh, they don't even have the impulse to sting because they have no honey stores and they have no young to protect. So they really, when they're swarming, they don't even have the instinct to sting. So you don't really need to be afraid of the uh, oh. swarm of bees at that time. And then people that are <laughs> catching a, a swarm of bees, uh, if they're hanging from a limb, they'll just get uh, a cardboard box, just a filing box. And they'll open the box up, and they'll cut the limb, and they'll just lower the limb down into the box. And as long as the queen is in the center of the colony, um, the bees won't leave her. And once they're in a nice enclosed area, um, they'll they'll stay there, and they'll inhabit that as their new home. And and you can take that cardboard box and and take it to your bee yard and install them into a hive. Hmm. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's kind of a fun, exhilarating experience. Must be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you're you're gonna do that. Oh yeah, bees are worth a lot of money, so you just don't want to let them go either. So yeah, yeah, like a colony of bees, you know, is valued at two hundred and fifty dollars. So when you see, yeah, so one, you don't want to lose your you don't want to lose your swarm, and two, if you find one, you. want to call a beekeeper and you can go on Kijiji. There's lots of beekeepers that are grateful for people reporting swarms to them. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So how do you process the honey? So with a top bar hive, like I said, the great part is you can do it just in the kitchen of your home. Um, so when you're out in your bee yard, you're going to lift off uh, the bar that's on the top of your box and the bees will have a honeycomb hanging from that bar. I use a bread knife from the dollar store. Um, Because, again, I try to keep things as simple and as inexpensive as I can. And I cut that honeycomb into a bucket uh, after I sweep the bees off. So I leave the bees in the hive and I just Mm -hmm. cut the honeycomb into the bucket. I put my uh, cover on the bucket and I head home to my kitchen. And then in my kitchen, I have uh, a 10-liter ice cream bucket, the same ice cream bucket you might see at the the church or the ice cream shop at uh, your local ice cream place. And I use a paint strainer. And I take my bread knife and I chop and I smash up that honeycomb or I use my potato masher. And then I pour the mixture that would be wax and honey uh, into the paint strainer that's hanging inside this ice cream bucket. Uh, With the heat of August and in your kitchen, Mm. 
the honey will drip through that mesh uh, so that you just get honey in the bucket and then in the mesh is all your wax. It'll be nice, clean, white wax in the top. Hmm. Then you can uh, take out that wax and you can make your lip balms, you can make candles, you can make soap, um, beard balm, different cosmetic products. Um, everything comes from, uh, or uh, you, you these have, wax, you these, have a beard. Do you use your own beard? I, bomb I do use beard? my own beard bomb. Yeah. <laughs> so you and, guys uh, are two peas in a pod <laughs> recently. Um, a friend of mine, he's making a, a product for the paws of his dog. So in the winter time with the salt and things yeah. like that, he can uh, put a wax coating on the, uh, the paws of his dog and he also uses it on his surfboard as well so you know it's kind of neat you know you just don't get honey from the bees there's actually a lot of practical applications yeah and then of course the honey that dripped out of your honeycomb uh it's unpro uh, unprocessed raw natural honey um and so yeah it's it's ready to eat right just like that there's no more work involved you just pour it into your bottles that's, that's awesome that's that's rock. it yep you just strain it and uh get rid of the wax and it's just pure honey you don't have to do anything to it it's just that easy mm. the side question related to that you know in the store you can get the, the the honey that you can kind of see through and then there's that creamy kind i like the creamy kind because you can put it on your toast like a quarter inch thick that's right how so how do you make that creamy kind like, so can you, can you make that with yeah honey? so raw honey itself will go hard and that's how you can tell if it's pasteurized or unpasteurized so to pasteurize honey um, they heat it up to a certain temperature so that it doesn't crystallize. The problem with that is it kills the natural enzymes inside yeah. the honey and some of the health benefits that come from honey. So you do want unpasteurized natural honey if you're concerned about the health benefits. But yeah, your honey in your cupboard over time will crystallize and go hard. If you do want to loosen that up so that you can pour it over cereal or pour it in your tea or right. um, you know, so that it looks good on your kitchen table in the morning, all you do is just put it in a bowl of hot water and that'll warm the honey up enough without killing the enzymes just to get rid of the crystallization. Mm -hmm. but, uh, sorry, I'm talking about the, the creamed kind. Yeah, so from honey as well, you, you can cream it as well. Does that, does that wax in it or something? Or no, it's not wax. You just, mix it, you just mix it with other products, like with a butter and things like that. Oh. So yeah, you, you do additives to it to make oh. different products with the honey. So Not for Greg, no butter. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite kind. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. I've had it myself. Put it on so thick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, th I guess I asked that one, so you can do the next one, Greg. I guess we're down yeah. on number seven. All right. So you mentioned earlier that um, part of the reason that uh, people, there was interest in this, and a growing amount of interest among people is that uh, there was a concern that the bee populations uh, were in some sort of danger. I remember hearing about that on the news. So what's the current state of the bee population, uh, not, not just in Nova Scotia, but say in North America? Yes. We have listeners all, uh, yeah. oh, I was going to mention too, like um, Corey was talking about the uh, legality so some of our listeners aren't in Nova Scotia, they're in right. Ontario or other parts of Canada or mm -hmm. even United States and around the world. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> so I guess those people would have to check their, their local. Yes. I guess every yeah. every province in Canada must have a, you yeah. call it a bee act? A bee act. A bee yeah, act. yeah. So le legislation or laws <laughs> around bees. But yeah, every state and um, every province would definitely, bees are heavily um Regulated. Uh, right, regulated. Just, just, again, to save the bee population. So to get to your question in relation to the population, the whole um, Save the Bees campaign or um, trying to help the honeybee population started back in World War II. 
So what happened as men were returning back to North America from the war, um, we learned a lot about uh, chemical warfare and different pesticides and things like that that were developed. And so farming, uh, they kind of stopped um, the diversity that were on farms. and They kind of commercialized it. So again, just acres of one crop. And so because of that crop and because of the heavy industry of farming and trying to produce, um, and you guys can appreciate this as gardeners, you know, uh, bigger, healthier fruits and vegetables, um, they use a lot of pesticides, um, commercial farming. And so that kind of took out the variety for the bees. And so the population and the health of the honeybee kind of declined. Um, luckily enough, over the years, um, now, currently in 2017, um, we have more bees in North America than, than we've ever had. And um, just here in our home province, uh, we have more beekeepers than we've ever had hmm. and more bee colonies. Um, so the campaign that's been going on for 60 plus years, um, our bees are, are strong. It is important, though, that we still uh, protect our bees, that we still um, guard our bees. Um, because Einstein said himself, in four years without the honeybees, the human race would be gone. Mm. And so as gardeners, if you do your research, um, without pollination, um, our fruits and vegetables would leave our table. And without a lot of the crops and the grasslands, uh, we would lose our meat, you know, our, mm -hmm. our cattle, things like that, um, wouldn't have the, the nutrition that they need as well. So we're pretty vulnerable and we do have a relationship with the honeybee that we have to maintain them and protect them. Awesome. Yeah. I mean that, yeah. Cause you know, I still see people on Facebook and whatnot sharing stories about saving the bees and all that. So, so the good news is that they're in pretty good shape right now. Is that what I take? We away saved from? them. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're in great shape and uh, humanity has certainly uh, recognized the vulnerability of the honeybee yeah. and, um, you know, governments have uh, provided funding, um, universities have provided education and then different uh, societies and communities have grown. Um, you know, there's lots of mentorship. Mm. So people that are interested in becoming a beekeeper, you know, you can look up the laws, you can register with the province, you can go to your local university, get educated. And then there's also associations that you can join as well that bring in mm. guest speakers and um, just beekeepers can meet and talk and mentor each other. Mm, interesting. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so something else is coming to mind. I'm, I'm assuming bees are a lot like people and there's always a crazy one in the bunch. <laughs> so, you know, you're bound, to, I'm sure you're bound to get stung once in a while if you're doing this. Is that not true? Uh, you do get stung <laughs> when, when you keep bees because you're in there robbing them. Yeah. And um, believe it or not, um, the majority of the bees in the beehive are actually female. So they're very, uh, they're very protective. They have that protective instinct. Yeah. Uh, the, the male bees, they're called drones. They can't sting. And um, a honeybee uh, female can only sting you once. So after she stings, um, she dies. I've been stung by a lot of females. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was assuming there was a joke coming sooner or yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah some. So, so the, only the females sting, and after they sting, they die. That's correct, yeah. But actually... Um, the beehive is actually called medicines, uh, or pardon me, is called nature's medicine cabinet. So there's a lot of benefits, mm. not even um, nutrition value, but medical applications for bees. And uh, bee stings are actually used as a treatment 
uh, for for a lot of illnesses for feeling good <laughs> uh, no for you know for stroke victims and really, uh, really? yeah people that um, to wake them up yeah to, to, yeah to get to get their senses and get the really? the brain flowing back again and things like that so <laughs> wow. yeah there's a whole science behind uh, bee stings and um, helping people that uh, need it and then honey is also used um, not in North America so much but throughout the world as, as medicine so for example you can put it on a burn. You know, honey is one of the best things you can put on a burn, and other people with skin conditions use honey as well. So it's used in a lot of the cosmetics. Can um, can you put uh, honey on a bee sting? <laughs> I, I think I think it would make you feel better. So yeah, I would think. I mean, that would just make sense. It's right there anyway. Yeah, um, but the biggest the biggest thing that uh, gives the honeybees the impulse to sting. Um, is when you do your inspections, you're changing the temperature of their hive. Mm. And, and that's what they don't like. It's not necessarily the fact that you're robbing the honey, yeah. but the fact that you're opening their hive. And so it's just an instinct to protect themselves. Mm. So what beekeepers do, one is they wear protective clothing. So yeah. you're going to wear gloves and your bee jacket. And again, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, you know, a mosquito net or a mosquito jacket from the dollar store, um, yeah. that, works, that works just as well. Really? And just a pair of uh, rubber latex gloves. Uh, they're great protection for your hands, and you still get the dexterity while you're in the hive. And then always uh, with beekeeping, people think of smoke. So mm. beekeepers will carry a smoker. And what that does is when the bees give off a pheromone, an alarm system to let the other bees know that the, the hive's been opened or the hive's under attack, uh, the smoke actually masks that smell. And so mm. the bees, um, they don't, I guess they still notice you, but they don't have that impulse to sting you as much. Mm. It also makes the bees think that they, uh, their hive is on fire, yeah. and so they want to start drinking their honey. And so they're more concerned with uh, protecting their honey stores than they are the beekeeper. Uh, so there, yeah, are, so. there are things you can do to uh, prevent being stung. So, Greg, this is not an excuse to get a hazmat suit and start smoking again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, that was uh, interesting because I remember I was asking you, uh, wouldn't you want to just you know take the things out of the hive at night when they're all asleep? Uh, that's my thinking because you know I, I don't know anything about bees, and you were saying well, that's the worst thing you can do. Number one, they're all they're yeah. all in the hive during the day. They're that's right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also they're mad as hell because they've you know got a certain kind of temperature in there, and at night you open the thing up, it's, it's really colder. cold, and they're going nuts. Huh. Yes, when you do your, your inspections, you want to do it in uh, the best heat of the day. So, you know, usually mid-day. around dinner time, midday, afternoon. Um, yeah, you want to open up your hive because half of the bees are out foraging and then they're not worried so much about you cooling off their baby bees. Yeah, mm. it's fascinating stuff. It is. Um, so, oh, we had a couple of little questions here. Um, how do the flowers affect the flavor? Does it? Like, I remember when I when I go to the grocery store, I'll say pure clover honey. And, and that's where I don't even know how they control that because it's not like yeah. they tell the bees, okay, now go get the clover. <laughs> um, but, you know, what, what's that all about? Yeah, so, you know, different flowers give off different nectars that have different flavors. Um, so, you know, you have your apple orchards, you got your blueberries, and you got your clover. You know, those are kind of the popular things here in our province. Um, and so, yeah, they do have a certain pollen, a certain scent, and a certain nectar. And so, yeah, that taste will come out in your honey. You can also buy other uh, flavored honeys that have been infused, you know, with certain things like cinnamon mm. or, or maple. You know, they can add to the honey as well. Um, but there's a neat uh, program that was on Netflix, and it talked about the whole relationship between flowers and bees <coughs> and how flowers actually give off an electronic charge um, to uh, signal the bees to tell them that they're ready 
Um, and the reason the flowers do that is because the bees actually help the flowers um, uh, inseminate each other because the they have the X and Y chromosome that need to be passed from flower to flower. That's right. And that's what the bee does. So it, it's really neat how uh, nature's there, fluffer. There, yeah, there's there's inner there's uh, a, de- a definitely relationship between the bees and the flowers. That's again a whole other science and a whole other fascination way beyond beekeeping. But yeah, the flowers actually need the bees, and so that's why. If you are a beekeeper, you're fascinated with your garden, and if you're a gardener, you're fascinated with the bees. And so I guess that's why we're here today, mm, uh, sh- sharing this interview and sharing this information. So the listeners that are gardeners um, help us out with our honeybees, and the beekeepers, um, we thank uh, the gardeners for all you guys do. Yes. Awesome. Uh, so today, um, now this is about bumblebees, not about um, you know honeybees. So I don't know how much you know about bumblebees. I there's actually 260 varieties of bees. So a honeybee is just one out of the 260. You know a lot about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> not about not about all of them, but I know a little bit about each. Okay. So today I was working in a garden, and uh, I just started digging in the ground, and I heard mm, the ground started humming. I mean, an area of ground, let's say two feet by four feet, the ground was humming like I I thought I'd hit a wire like a huge power wire or something. Huh. And and I started working in a different uh, spot a couple feet away, and then all of a sudden the noise got louder and louder, and all before I knew it, there was bumblebees everywhere on the ground buzzing and flapping their wings and, and rubbing their face. And I was, the, the hair, like even the, <laughs> the hair on the back of my neck was up. I was like, what in the hell is there was, there was probably at any one time, 15 bumblebees this is all in one place i thought they were solitary and i thought they'd just go find a hole and uh, i didn't know what the hell was going on and uh one by one they all after they buzzed they buzzed for about a minute or two and then one by one they flew away and i thought they were coming for me (laughs) they did leave me alone but did you have any idea what was going on there uh, no, it's the time of year the, uh, the bumblebees be waking up. The bumblebees do live underground. Um, they don't have a, a nest or they don't inhabit a cavity. So Why was there so many in one place? Just a good good piece of ground, I well, guess. I think it was like it was on a south-facing rock wall, so yeah. I think it must have been abnormally warm. and Yeah, mm-hmm. warm, good, good spot to help them get through the winter and things like that. So yeah, the dis- if you want to know the difference between bumblebees, your wasps, and your honeybees, so your bumblebees are usually under your deck, they live in the ground in a hole, um, your wasps, they're the ones that build the their own mm-hmm. paper hive, you know, so you'll see it on the side of your garage or inside your shed, so they build their own paper hive, and then a honeybee uh, they go inside a hollow cavity. So just like when, when we used to watch Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. you know, they were always inside a hollow log. So next time you see some bees around and you're not sure if it's a bumblebee, a honeybee, or a wasp, uh, before you spray them, you know, just kind of assess the situation. Is it, are they living underground? Are they living in a paper uh, mesh mm-hmm. hive? Mm-hmm. Or are they in the eaves of the house building honeycomb? What about a hornet? What's a hornet? Yeah, so a hornet and a wasp are a similar type of uh, of a bee. But hornets will live in the ground. They can live in the ground as well, yeah. So they'll inhabit. They still build paper underground. Oh. And then the old wise tale was the higher the wasp nest, the, the more snow you were going to get. I don't know how that works for the Americans in Texas. Mm. But but here, here in Canada, that was an old wise tale. So it's not, there is no... 
if you see a wasp nest that's like 30 feet high, that doesn't mean anything. It's going to mean we're going to get a lot of snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they always say like if there's a... Sky by night sort of thing. Yeah, the higher the, the, higher the hive, the more, high, uh, right. more snow we're going to have through the winter. How the hell would they know that? Oh, they don't want to get buried, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It amazes yeah. me. Like, certain animals just know stuff. Yeah, they, it's fascinating. Yeah. Very, very cool. This has been just awesome. Yeah, yeah well, I, I appreciate your time today and uh, hope to get more people interested in beekeeping and, and then more people interested in the gardens and the flowers that are coming out in the seasons. If you want to build or if you want to buy an already made top bar uh, beehive, you can check out uh, Corey's, uh, what, what's your uh, Facebook yeah. page called? So my Facebook page is Top Bar Honey Bee Co. And uh, yeah, I'd be happy to help anyone that's interested in acquiring a hive or a colony of bees or um, again just there's lots of information on my facebook page of youtube videos great books that have brought me along this far and also the bee act and how to register everything's on there for our province and then the similar thing for other states and provinces through north america awesome yeah we'll we'll definitely have a link to your facebook page in our show notes and uh Again, we'll make it easy for people. If you're just listening, you can just go to maritimegardening.com slash bees, B-E-E-S. And uh, yeah, thanks, Corey. That was uh, that was really... Inf- I, I'm not a big fan of insects, believe it or not. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fishing guide and I love being outside, but I'm not a big fan of insects. But I, I appreciate what the bees do and I love honey. So this is really cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. So uh, that was really cool. Uh, we're, we, again, we thank uh, Corey Bergman with Top Bar Honey Bee Co. for uh, being a part of today's episode and our first actual in-studio guest. So that was really cool. Um, again, this was episode 20, or sorry, 35. We're, we're trucking along. Um, so you can find it at maritimegardening.com slash 035. Um, become a fan on Facebook. We're, you know, as of the time of this recording, we're we're climbing up past 1100 which is really good and um uh subscribe on itunes and uh all that good stuff that does it for this week we thank you for listening thanks guys thank you thank you all right cool talk to you later